This is week four in this series, and um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Romans chapter 12, and we're just going to kind of jump off where we left off last week. So I want to encourage you, if you were not here or if you've only listened to this message once, I would encourage you to get your notepad out, get your pen, your Bible, and really outline this because it will help you in your life. The Holy Spirit, if you know Jesus, he dwells on the inside of you. And he's here. He brings revelation of God's word. We can't even see the word of God without him. Also, he will lead us and guide us into all the truth of the word. He's the one that reveals God's path for your life. He is all about taking you from where you are today and moving you down God's wonderful path that he has for your life. Remember that God is good all the time, right? He's good all the time. His mercies are new every morning. He's faithful. And he wants, he wants you to walk out his plan for your life because actually the path that he has for you was created for you. It was created so that you would walk out every desire of your heart. So we were talking about last week the importance of being a living, of presenting your body a living sacrifice. Now remember, the key here is to be led by the Spirit of God. Is, and, and up to this point, we've talked about this. You live in the presence of God, united with him in fellowship, and then you submit to his written word, the written word of God, so, you know, we walk in love, we do those things that are written in the Word of God. It's at that point now that you are positioned to be sensitive, to be led by the Spirit of God. So many Christians, they don't ever get to that place and they live their life guessing, is this what I'm supposed to do? Is that what I'm supposed to do? Well, the Bible is real clear. God he has ordered your steps. In earlier messages, we've talked about that it's not Jeremiah, the prophet said this. He said, in Jeremiah 10, 25, he says, it's not in man that walks to order his own steps. You, you were not created. You're not a child of God to live your life alone, apart from him. He wants you to do everything with him. The Holy Spirit in the life of a believer he does everything with you. He doesn't do things for you. The reason why is he can't violate your will. God will never violate your will. In this passage of scripture that we're looking at, you're going to see in verse 2 that there's two things happening in the world right now. You're either being pressed into the mold to live like someone who does not know God, or your life is being transformed into the image of Jesus. In other words, the question in all of our lives is, today, am I going to allow the pressure from the outside to dictate my life, or am I going to allow who, who I am in me, what's going on in me, to lead me and guide me through life? So, we've talked about this living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, if you break down actually the book of Romans, Romans 12.1 is an extension of Romans chapter 8. If you study the book, Romans chapter 8 is the victory chapter. It's where, 
It's where Paul lays out that it is God's will for your life that you walk in victory in every area, overcoming everything that you face in him. God has no plans for you to decrease. He has no plans for you to go backwards. He has only victory, right? So Paul finishes that thought, and then in chapters 9, 10, and 11, although there's a lot of great stuff in it, it's like Paul goes on a rabbit trail. Have you ever heard a preacher go on a rabbit trail, right? Well, that's what Paul does, and he talks about Israel. And then Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he picks up. Now he's going to tell us how to walk in victory. Also, he's telling us in this passage of Scripture how to submit our lives to the written word of God so that we can know who we are in Christ, so that we can walk in his presence, aware of his presence. See, the presence of God never leaves you, but here's the problem. It won't do you any good if you don't know that you're in the presence of God. Most people will go by their feelings, and your feelings will not tell you whether or not you're in the presence of God, right? Your emotions won't tell you. You know what tells you? The Word of God tells you. And you believe that. And when you're conscious that you're walking in the presence of God, united with Him in fellowship, when you understand what it means to present your body as a living sacrifice, now you're in a position to where you could be sensitive enough for the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And I said this in the earlier uh, service. I'll say it again. If you, if you make this a priority in your life, wherever you are in life right now, if you make it a priority to be led by the Spirit of God, this is what your life looks like as you're led by the Spirit of God. As you're led by the Holy Spirit, you'll see the result of that will be you'll always be, not sometimes, always be, in the right place, at the right time, with the right heart, doing the right thing. That's just what he does. He always gets you ready for what you're facing. He always leads you in the victory. We know that the word of God is very clear. The Bible says to a New Testament believer, that our Father always causes us to triumph. We always, our Father will cause us to tr always triumph in Christ, and he will leave a fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere we go. So this is so important that we get this. It's in the presence of God. It's united with him in fellowship. It's you submitting your life to his word, the written word of God, that he is able to lead you and guide you. So never forget that as we go on and as we talk about some principles, we have to get this right. Well, what trips more Christians up is they're not presenting their body a living and holy sacrifice. So their behavior is actually keeping them from being sensitive enough to be led by the Spirit of God. Their behavior is leading them into a sin consciousness when actually they are the very righteousness of God in Christ. So we want to make sure. See, when you're not led by the Spirit of God, you get what's called blind spots in your life. Selfishness, pride, self-centeredness, a sin consciousness will cause you 
not to have a proper view of who God is, not to have a proper view of who you are in him, but God wants you to see things not as they seem, but as they really are. So let's look at this. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We spent a lot of time on this last week. I'll just kind of go over it so that we can get to Romans 12, too. But Paul says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, excuse me, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So step number one in walking in victory is you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Okay? So we're to yield our bodies. We said this last week. How do we present our bodies a living sacrifice? You have to be able to yield your members, your flesh, as dead to sin while you are alive to God. Okay? And we looked at Romans chapter 6. If you have uh, your Bible right now, you could go to Romans 6, and we're going to look at verse 11. And it says here, in Romans 6, 11, it says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but it says, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon. This is an old English term. It literally means count to be true. You have to count this to be true. What has already been accomplished and what is already an established fact. So to reckon myself dead to sin, I need to know something. I need to know, well, what, what happened that made me dead to sin? And if you'll notice, when I'm saying sin right now, if you're thinking about it, a lot of you might be thinking behavior, okay? But that's not what this word sin is. It's not behavior of sin. It's the nature of sin. You have to yield yourself and come to know, count something, that you are dead to sin, right? Dead to the sin nature. In other words, to present your body a living sacrifice, you have to know what Jesus did. Jesus did something for you that caused the sin nature to be removed once and for all. And Romans chapter 6 and verse 3 through verse 8, we really went into this last week, but I'll just skim over it today. There's some truths there that are laid out in these verses. Number one, you have to count yourself as being crucified with Christ. Crucified with him. Do you know, I'm 58 years old, so I wasn't even born 1,990 years ago when Jesus hung on a cross, right? But positionally, when Jesus hung on that cross, I, the spiritually dead person that I was, was crucified with him. Isn't that amazing? You have to know that. If you don't know that, you will think that you're still a sinner. But the Bible's very clear that the sinner was crucified with Christ. Also, it goes on to say, we were baptized with Christ 
into his death so that when he died, that old man that I was died. Does that make sense? It goes on to say, it clarifies this fact. It says that we were united with Christ in his death. Then it goes on to say it, it says we were buried with him. So when Jesus was buried, our old man was buried, right? And then the next thing, now stay with me, stay focused. This is the way church used to be. It's all good. That little guy is getting some stuff right now, so it'll help him later in life, right? And, and, and well, let me just say this. You know, I was wondering why the Lord told me this last night, but this is why. You know one of the things you have to develop to grow spiritually is you have to get very focused. You have to be, learn how to focus your spirit, man, because what you just heard a little guy, you know, and, and, and all of us that are parents, we're just glad. Tammy, we feel your pain, right? It's all good. We've all been there. It's all good. And please don't have to leave the service. It's all good. But that's nothing compared to what happens when you can get a phone call or an email or a diagnosis that will scream in your ear, what am I going to do? As you fix your eyes on Jesus, you are able to stay at peace. He is an anchor for your soul. The patience of God, which is part of your, your spirit, man, will grab hold of your mind and undergird your mind so that you could be focused in the midst of any storm. So you didn't know it, but that little guy's helping me preach today. And it's helping all of us. Amen? So let's look at this. Not only were we buried with him, but we have been raised to newness of life or to a brand new life. I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. The old Tony Finley is gone. He's gone. And I was raised a brand new person, a child of God. Jesus was made sin. I mean, literally, he bore all of my sin nature and all the sinful behavior that's represented with it so that I could be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. And now, as a New Testament believer, sickness and disease, poverty and lack, depression, anxiety, fear, all this stuff in the world has to bow to who I am in Christ. Now, I can't take any credit for it. Because all I had to do to be made the righteousness of God was believe. I received it through faith. It wasn't by works. Everything that I have in God, everything, salvation, and all that it includes, came to me because of his grace. Therefore, it's not works. I only work out what he's working in. I don't work for something. I don't work for something so God will bless me or do this so that God will do this. No, no, no. He's already done everything for you and I that he could ever do. 
It's now just a matter of us laying hold of it, and the Holy Spirit is who helps us lay hold of it. We were raised to a new life. In other words, it goes on to say, we were united with Christ, likewise in his resurrection. And the last point that we have to know is that now the sin nature has been broken, is gone, and we're freed from it. So you have to, once you reckon that, this is how I reckon myself dead to sin. This is how that I'm able to yield my body as a living sacrifice. See, when I know that I was crucified with him, that I was buried with him, that I was raised a new man in him, and now sin, the sin nature, sin, the sin behavior will never be able to dominate me. I have never been forced to sin one time. I have to choose it. Satan's not powerful enough to make you sin. And I'm talking behavior. He's not powerful enough to do it. He's got he's to get you enticed by your own lust in your flesh so that you choose to do a sinful behavior. But you don't ever have to because it's not who you are. Your spirit man can't sin. The Bible's very clear. It teaches that. So we know this. So I yield my body, knowing who I am in Christ, and reckoning myself dead to sin and alive to God. That is how I present my body, a living and holy sacrifice. What does that look like? So that means when somebody stings me on one cheek and my flesh wants to lash out, I don't have that option in my life anymore. And something rises up in me and goes, you know, the love of God, which never considers itself, rises up. And who I am in Christ, I'm able to walk out and walk in the love of God in that situation. I'm able to walk in the faith of God, believing that what I can't see is real because he said it. And I'm not moved by what I see anymore. That now the joy of the Lord is my strength and all things are possible to me because I believe. What we're talking about is Zoe life, the life of God. God's plan for your life is that you be Jesus on the earth. You are to literally, his will for your life is very clear in the New Testament. It's to be fashioned like unto the exact representation of who Jesus is. And when you do that, and you're Jesus in your world, we are to walk like he walked. We're to do the works that he did, right? See, we can't do that in our own strength and because we're not created to. We're created to do everything with God. That's how much he loves us. So now Romans chapter 12 in verse 2 is going to tell us how to do this. So now, how do I present my body? How do I do it? How do I present my body a living sacrifice so that... I can live my life united with him in fellowship because what does sin do? Sin does not break relationship. You're a child of God. But sinful behavior will cause fellowship to be broken because God does not dwell 
in that arena with you. Now, is he still there? Absolutely. But we want to live our life in union with him. Because when this happens, all of a sudden, you're not aware that God's really in your life anymore. You might even think that he's out to get you. I mean, do you know how many sermons have been, have been talked about? You know, we've heard it. Turn or burn. Right? God's out to get you. You know, sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no. That sounds really religious and really good. The problem is they can't quote chapter and verse when they say that because the Bible says all the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, amen, or so be it unto me. I'm telling you, being led by the Spirit of God will turn your whole life right side up. It's, it's the key to life. So let's look at this. This is how we do it. Look at what it says in Romans 12 too. You guys doing okay? You look so serious out there. Doing good? Got to make sure you always have fun. This has got to be fun, right? I know I'm having fun. I'm always having, you having fun? That's good. Edwin and I, Pastor Edwin and I are having fun. It says in Romans 12 too, and be not conformed to this world. This reveals something. While you live in this world system, the world system will always try to drive you and press you into the mold of acting like the world. Where not all things are possible now, we look at the natural things. There's always, see, Satan always drives you. The Holy Spirit always leads you. So notice in this verse, it is telling you that you are in control. It says, don't be conformed to this world. In other words, you have the authority in the earth in your life to never be pressed into the mold of the world. You have to decide that, right? So it says here, but it says, but be transformed. That means to be changed, be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. This word renewing means the renovation of your mind. In other words, for your life to be transformed, you're going to have to change the way that you think. And what the Holy Spirit will do, he will use the Word of God to renovate your thinking, to wean you off. There's, I'm telling you, Satan works overtime to try to get detrimental thought processes happening into your mind. For me, it was, Tony, you're worthless. And I didn't even know that, and that was eating my lunch for years in my life. It could be, you might, at the core of you, you might have grown up and everybody told you, you're just stupid. Can't believe you did this. So you have this detrimental thought process, or you have this detrimental thought processes that I'm never going to be able to have enough finances in my life. I'm never going to be able to, usually it's like this. This is what I see, but I can never have that because of who I am. The Holy Spirit wants to wean you off and renovate your thinking to where now all things become possible because you're a child of God 
you've been given the name of Jesus. Because you have authority in the name of Jesus in the earth, you don't have to put up with all this nonsense the enemy tries to throw at you. Right? I don't have to be afraid of a virus. I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. All of my trust is in Him. One of the greatest scriptures for being led by the Spirit of God is in Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 5 and 6. Right? It starts out by saying this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do you know what a lot of people are trying to do? They're trying to trust in the Lord with their mind. Because I, I define trusting in God if I feel like I'm trusting in Him. No. The Bible says we trust in God with our heart, with our spirit man, not with our mind. Right? So this reveals a huge part. We All of our trust, all of my trust is in the Lord. I trust in the Lord with my heart. Romans chapter 10, verse 10 says, with the heart, man believes, right, unto righteousness. So now it says, and lean not to your own understanding. Now it's talking about the soulish realm. But in all your ways, acknowledge him or consider Jesus. In other words, how do I consider Jesus? In all my ways, I yield myself to the written word of God. And now he's able to direct my paths. I wonder what our life would look like if God's directing all of our paths. Think you would never think you'd ever be in lack? No. Think you'd ever be in poor health? No. He'd, it wouldn't be for long. He'd lead you right back into life because he is life. See, what, and what, what I'm endeavoring to do in this study, or I, I should say it this way, what I believe one of the things the Holy Spirit is endeavoring to do in our lives is to expand your borders. As you renovate your thinking to come in line, you start thinking in line with what God says and you wean yourself off of these detrimental thought processes. You know, when you renovate something, what happens? If you're going to renovate a kitchen, first thing you do is get a sledgehammer, right? And you go in and you rip everything out. Well, maybe not with a sledgehammer. That's probably the only tool I'm really good with. But, um, you know, you, you tear everything out, and then you put all new in. That's what the Word of God will do in your mind. As you meditate in the Word, it will renovate your thinking so that all of a sudden you think in line with God's word. His word is alive and his word becomes a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. So now let's go on with this. It says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. That means determined by experience what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. We, we tra we're transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can walk out this one will of our life. It doesn't say good, acceptable, and perfect wills. God has one will for your life, and it's good, and it's acceptable, and it's perfect. These Greek words, the reason why Paul used them is it's a progression 
as you walk, as God progressively develops you, because the renewing of your mind is a progression, takes time, right? So as you meditate in the word of God, as you put it first place, as you walk in his presence, united with him in fellowship, you walk in the progression. You're renewing your mind, and what's happening now is you're walking in the good, also the acceptable, and ultimately the perfect will of God for your life. The path of the, of the righteous, it says this, is one, it increases more and more to the full day. See, there's always a progression, and in God, the progression is always increase. It's almost like you get to the point where you wake up in the morning and go, okay, Satan, you better take your best shot at me right now because I'm as weak as I'll ever be. Because in five minutes, I'm going to become more aware of what Jesus has given me. I'm, my faith, it grows and grows. My ability to trust God and see God, it grows as I walk with him. So that's what this is talking about. God wants you to experience the glorious path that he has for you. And it's good, and it's acceptable, and it's perfect. Amen? So, so very important. So now, what Paul is talking about here is the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind is the key to walking in victory. It's the key to being led by the Spirit of God. Why is that? Well, because God's path for you is so glorious, you can't figure it out in your mind. You can't see it. It's not in you to direct your own steps. The Word of God will literally show you. It's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. It will lead you and guide you. The Holy Spirit will use the Word of God, and He will light your spirit man, and then your spirit man will turn that, that enlightenment, that revelation, that inner knowing into a thought and communicate that to your mind. We call that the inward witness. That's how the Holy Spirit leads us. And he wants to lead us into life. We said this before, because of what I'm teaching on Wednesday night, we even say it on Wednesday night, you, re, you find your answer. So whatever, wherever you're at right now in life, you know what battle you're in right now. You know right where you are. God will never have you work on more than one area at the same time. But whatever that area is, you find, you go to the word of God and you find out what his will is in that area. If you have sickness in your body, you won't have to look very far to find out that it's not God's will for you to have sickness in your body, that it's his will that you be healed and walk in health. If you're in poverty and lack, you don't have to look very far at all to find hundreds of scriptures that will show you that God is El Shaddai. He is the multi-breasted one. He is the God of more than enough. He's Jehovah Jireh. He looks ahead and he meets every need that you'll ever have. He is your victory. You'll see very close. If you're in a battle that seems like you're going to suffer loss, you can look in the word of God and find what his will is. That victory is his will. And then what you do, once you know what his will is in that area, you renew your mind to it. You do that by meditating in the word day and night. And what that does, it causes you to walk in the victory of it. So you find your answer in the word of God, you renew your mind to it, and then you walk in the victory of it. Does that make sense? 
This is how he leads us and guides us. So this is why reading the word of God, it's necessary. To be honest with you, reading, I read about 12 chapters in the Bible every day. That's probably the most brutal part of my study. I have to, I have to get away from my phone because I'm a studier. Because every time I'm reading a scripture that I read a thousand times, I see something new and I want to start digging. And the Lord's like, no, you read. Just read. So a lot of times I just have to sit and I'm just reading. And I'm thinking, wow, that's so awesome. I need to dig into that Greek word. And, and he's like, no, just read. Right? But it's not enough to just read. You have to renew your mind to the word of God. You do that by feeding on the word of God. And here's the thing, in order to hear this, you have to make a decision. Like right now, I gotta tell you, a lot of people are hearing. I could feel it. What does that mean? You know this is your answer. You know he's your answer. And you're like, no, no, I, I'm giving this my full attention. You should see some of your faces right now. You're just like, okay, this is, this is truth. When you give God's word first place, you'll hear it. And what happens is when you hear God's word, faith is birthed. Faith isn't birthed if you're listening to it. Thinking about, man, it's 12.04. First watch, man, I gotta get the, the eggs and the bacon and you know that heated up syrup. I shouldn't do that to you right now, should I? I shouldn't do that to myself. I didn't eat breakfast this morning. But, you know, if, if, you, if you give it your undivided attention, and, and here's how you hear the Word of God, you hear it with the stipulation that I will obey it and do it. Now you hear His Word. You've got to feed on it, meditate on it, get it down on the inside of you. So when we get God's Word down on the inside of us, we reckon ourselves to be who the word says we are, and now we walk in the victory of it. So, so very important. Hallelujah. So the question is, what is going to change you? Are you going to let outside pressure of the world pull you into, or push you and press you into the mold of the world, or are you going to let the life of God, the revelation of God's word, what's going on in the inside of you, transform your life so that you can walk in the Zoe life of God. That, that is what we all walk in all the time. Think of how many Christians, how many Christians are being conformed to the world and they don't even know what to do about it. This is not taught enough. To be honest with you, it's taught in churches if you want to, if you want to grow a big church, man, don't press people too hard. Don't talk, don't talk too much about the word. Have you ever heard a sermon and the speaker's massively dynamic? The only problem is those little internet stories and all those little things, they don't help change me. It's the word. Now, if you have the word and you have all that too, that's great. But if you're ever listening to somebody, I don't care how dynamic they are, if you hear a part of one scripture in a message, that just did you no good. You might as well watch Hallmark. Because it's not, there's nothing in it that could change you, right? To be honest with you, many times that nonsense, all you guys are smiling, you guys watch Hallmark. Yeah. Jeanette and I call it 
the channel that sucks. The reason why we say that, can you say that in church? Because, because it sucks you in. You know what's going to happen, right? This guy's going to meet this girl. There's going to be another guy. And what I hate about it, being a parent, is the parents always die, right? What is that? But you know this guy's going to totally mess this up, and then within the last 10 minutes, they're going to get back together. It's awesome. But it still sucks you in. You watch the next one. And then it gets you watching movies about Christmas with that, that evil four-letter word in it, snow, in July. Why would you do that, right? Anyway, we better get back to this and renew our mind. So spiritual growth, this, this happens to you when you align your spirit man with what you know from God's word on the inside of you. What happens then, you grow spiritually. How do you grow spiritually? You become more aware that you're in his presence. You become more aware that you're united with him in fellowship. What happens is you get to know him. Never forget this. This is how you grow spiritually. You're, you, you're looking in the word of God and you see revelation knowledge and you gain more knowledge of who he is and then you progress. You want to progress in your life? It all comes from knowing who he is. The more you know him, the more you progress. The more you progress. It's all about knowing him. So don't seek the blessing. Don't seek the, you know, the prosperity message. People think it's money. No, 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 no. No, prosperity is not money. Prosperity is him. Healing. Don't seek healing. That's, you know, he wants you healed, but seek the healer. Paul didn't say, I know what I believe. He said, I know in whom I believe. Your whole life is all about knowing him. And as you do that, you'll fall in love with him. The more you feed on him, the hungrier you get for him. And then he is able to, as you're literally sowing your life into him and into others, he is harvesting all the blessings into your life. The blessings of God overtake you. See, Nikayla knows this stuff. He's, she's preaching it. She's saying, say it more, right? That's right. So this is huge. I must renew my mind with the word of God. Why is that? See, if I'm perfect on the inside, why am I mess, I'm messing up on the outside? The only reason is because what connects you to the outside is your soul. So you've got to renew your mind to the word. And when you renew your mind to the word, it connects you to the outside all of a sudden your life on the outside will start straightening up. That's all it is. See, if you don't, you're going to mess up and then feel guilty about it and then feel shame about it. And there's one thing about guilt, condemnation, and shame. You know what it does? It drags you back into the sin, which then you do it again, right? You're doing this behavior that's not even you. The Bible says that the that, that what's happening is, is this, this law, this, this death, this spiritual death, this nature in your flesh is just siding with your unrenewed mind and it's taking you, the spirit man, captive. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 7. All we got to do is renew our mind to walk free from that because it's not who we are. We could walk in the peace of God in these areas. See, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. 
And if you want to know the definition of being in Christ, it's very simple. Does the Holy Spirit live in you? If you're born again, if you've received Christ, the Bible says he lives in you. So that means you're in Christ. So if you're in Christ, there is to be no guilt, shame, or condemnation. Now, now what? What is now? Now there is therefore no. Well, now that Jesus came out of the grave. You know why? Because he carried it all. The Bible said he went to the cross, and it says this little phrase, despising the shame. We just read over that. But Jesus not only died for your sin nature and all the sins, he, he despised the shame of your sin. That means, that word despise literally means he tread it underfoot. As he was walking to that cross, he was, he was just everything that you might feel shame or guilt and condemnation, he was treading it. He was taking care of that for you. I remember at one point in my life when, when the Lord, he was so real to me, I was beating myself up because of a behavior that I had done that I didn't stop, and now I was reaping the repercussions of that. And the Lord, it came out of my spirit. He said to me, he said, Tony, when Satan says shame on you, you say, no, shame is not on me. My shame was put on Jesus, and, he, and I was made his righteousness. So now if you'll excuse me, I'm just going to thank him. And you start thanking him that there is no guilt, shame, or condemnation for you. And see how you feel. See, Satan wants to take somebody from disappointment into despair. Despair is where you look to your future and you see it never getting better. Guess who lives in that arena of, of despair? The spirit of depression lives there. The spirit of suicide lives there. The spirit of bondage, again, to fear, lives there. Hallelujah. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You guys are messing with my sermon. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 14. This is so important. This just leaped out of my spirit. It says, for as many, Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We've talked a lot about that. Probably you'll talk more about that in this series. It says, look at verse 15, though. For, we, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. That spirit of bondage will bring fear into your life. In the same way, the spirit of fear will bring bondage into your life. These are spirits. Paul said to Timothy, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. In other words, the power and love that is in my spirit, it literally causes me to have soundness of mind. So see, I don't have to put up with this spirit of bondage to fear but, but you have received the spirit of adoption which causes us to cry, Abba, 
father. That word Abba means daddy. That's intimate. He's not only the God of all creation, he's my daddy. I love that. We are his children. We were born again of his incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. Isn't that good news? Wow, church, we have a lot to be thankful for. So here, Romans 12, 1 and 2 now, it's the starting point of me submitting to the written word of God, which is the opening the door for me to be led by the Spirit of God. If my body rules me, then I will not be able to be led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, and I will not be able to move into his plan for my life. So I can't allow my body to rule me. Don't let your feelings or emotions rule you. Don't let reason or logic or what you're seeing rule you. Don't let what you think is possible rule you. We don't, you know, I've heard this about, quote, me, that, oh, I'm just, I, I talk about positive thinking. And I'm here to tell you the Bible doesn't preach positive thinking. It preaches unlimited thinking, all things possible thinking. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Listen, do you think the coronavirus will be the last thing that we face before the rapture of the church? No. But I got to tell you, this virus is not stopping the church. To be honest with you, the church cannot be stopped. We will increase. We will continue to increase. And the voice in Omaha, in the surrounding areas, and all over the world will become bigger and greater and bigger and greater. And the church will rise up and walk in more health. We'll have the finances to win the world. We'll do it all. I mean, our greatest days are ahead of us. Your greatest days in your life are ahead of you. Hallelujah. I love that scripture that you read for the offering. Psalm 92. Man, I think we should change our, our oasis group to thrive. Because you know what? When you get elderly and older, you're to thrive. You're not to slow down. You're to speed up. This is the cool thing. You can speed up while not being able to walk maybe as fast. But you walk in a greater wisdom and a greater anointing. Oh, our bodies have to age, but we don't ever have to get old, right? To be honest with you, it's impossible for you to get old because your spirit is renewed. It says day by day, but that literally includes every moment of every day. I was just made new. Oh, I was just made new. Man, wow, I'm made new. I could say that for all eternity, right? If my body rules me, I'm not going to be able to step in and, and be led by the Spirit so I could step into God's plan for my life. All the aspects of knowing God's will, knowing God's plan is found in his word. It, it, it all gets back to his word. So the transformation that we're talking about is the starting place of knowing God's will for your life. You have to change the way that you think. And only the word of God, as you implant it in your heart, will do that. So what I do, actually turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 
1 Peter chapter 2 in verse 21. Hang with me. We're kind of coming down the mountain. As Larry Hutton would say when he comes here, I'm fixing to close. I'm not closing, but I'm fixing to, right? Or I guess he'd say fixing, whatever that is, right? So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. It says this, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. This word example literally is the word pattern. So when we talk about the transformation of our mind, what are we talking about? I have to find the pattern in the word of God. What, who's the pattern? Jesus. He is your pattern. You're to walk like him. You're to live like him. You're to be as strong as him. All of these things. Now, are you the son of God? Well, you're a child of God. Do you hold the same place? Are you God? No. But you're his child. And it's very clear, everything Jesus did on this earth, he didn't do it as God. He did it as man. He was, the Bible literally says that God's will is that you and I be fashioned like unto his very representation. Isn't that amazing? We are, to, we are to walk and live like him. So I see, I find the pattern of Jesus in the word, and then I must be transformed into the pattern. And the, my mind, renewing my mind, is what will do that. To be transformed, what it's talking about in Romans 12 too, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To be transformed is to act like the pattern, Jesus. So you will know if you're being transformed into his image because you'll be acting like Jesus. If you're acting like the world, then what's happening, don't beat yourself up. Realize, oh shoot, I'm being pressed into the mold of the world. And jump back over in the word and start get your eyes back on the pattern and you'll start acting like the pattern. This is, this is the litmus test. This is why Jesus looked at everybody when he was on the earth and he goes, you know, why do you guys say to me, I mean, he could say this to the church right now. Why do you guys say to me, Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? Right? Have you ever had the Lord say that to you? I've had the Lord say that to me. Tony, why are you calling me Lord? But you're doing that. Right? Do you know that didn't beat me up when he said that? Because the moment he said that, I was empowered to walk free from that. Because he's always good. He's life. If my focus is not on the pattern of Jesus, then there's no way that I could be transformed into the pattern. So this is the game. Do you know how Satan gets you to be pressed into the mold to look like the world? He gets you looking at the world. That's it. That's all it is. Peter's, the perfect example was Peter walking on the water, right? Here's Peter. Jesus, he says, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And Jesus says, come. 
the, this professional fisherman gets out of the boat on the Sea of Galilee and is walking on liquid water to Jesus right up until the wind sprays some water in his face and some waves start happening. And what does he do? He takes his eyes off Jesus, and the moment he takes his eyes off Jesus, he begins to sink, which to me is pretty supernatural. Have you ever began to sink? I've never been. Jump in a pool, do you begin to sink? No, you're just sink. So you could, I mean, think about it. He gets his eyes off Jesus and he starts going down. But notice the minute that he called out to Jesus, did Jesus say, well, I'm going to let you go down a little bit to teach you something in this circumstance? No. The minute he called out, what did Jesus do? He picked him back up. We always, we always give Peter a hard time. I feel so bad for him. In Jerusalem, you know, on Peter's Cathedral in Jerusalem, they have a rooster on top of it. Because it's not about all, I mean, they don't have anything about Peter where he walked through a street and the people brought sick people and everybody who his, his, his shadow touched were healed. They don't have that. No, no, the world remembers, oh, you denied him three times, so we're going to build a church. And put, Could you imagine me building this church and putting a rooster on top? Are you kidding me? And thinking that's religious. Poor Peter, right? I mean, the guy walked back to the ship. I've walked on water, but that's only because I'm a Midwesterner. And it was only like in January, <laughs> right? And it wasn't liquid. Well, it was maybe way down underneath, but right? If my focus is not on the pattern, I can't be transformed into the pattern. See, a pattern, it's our guide. The word is our guide. The transformation part is the renewing of our mind. It's the thinking part. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. It says this. It says, but we all, with an open face, with, in the Greek it would mean an unveiled face, beholding as in a glass, literally it would be beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So this is our mirror. As I peer into this, I'm literally changed. I see the very glory of God. I can see the glory of God that comes out of the grace of God in relation to healing, in relation to safety, deliverance, prosperity, all of these things. As I peer into the word, I'm changed into the image. This is how I'm changed into the image because my mind is renovated to believe this. Does that make sense? So if you want to see what your spirit looks like, look in the mirror, right? For all of us today, or all of us should today. I mean, I'm looking around here. You guys look good. You all probably looked in the mirror this morning, right? It helps us. Well, here's your mirror. The next time you start seeing yourself as something other than this, you got to stop looking at the mirror that the world's trying to put in front of your face and look at your mirror. Because this will change you into the image of Jesus. It's so, so very important.
Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to kind of close with this. When I bring my body, which includes my senses as a living sacrifice, when I use my mind to meditate on the pattern, which is Jesus, then my Christian character or my Christ-likeness comes out. And it's at this place that I will begin to know and experience God's will for my life. Guys, so many believers that God loves so much have never got to this place. And they're just trying to play in church. They try to come to church and look good. But what's happening now is a lot of people don't come to church. Why? They see no value in it. So this is why we have to do this to help our brothers and sisters. You can't give what you don't have. And God wants to fill you up so that you can show the world how good Jesus is. Bible knowing is this. If you want to say you know the word of God, Bible knowing is not being able to quote a scripture. Man, I know, I know some guys that are very educated that will beat you up one side and down another with a Bible quoting scripture verses to you. And you sit there and listen to them and you're like going, I don't think they know anything about what this is talking about. Right? Bible knowing, this is what it is. It's your experiencing, not in theory, but you're experiencing God's will for your life because it's working in you and it's manifesting out of you. That's when you know the word. When the word of God, I'm experiencing it because it's working in me and it's coming out of me. I literally, see, you've heard this statement, right? Hurt people, hurt people. Found people, find people. Right? See, what happens is when I see the agape love of God, I see it and I peer into it into the word of God. I'm changed. And now the love of God, which has been shed abroad in my spirit, man, it starts stirring me. And now I'm beginning to gain revelation of the love of God to the point, what, is, what do I mean by that? I'm experiencing his love for me. And now when I'm experiencing it, I know because it's working in me and it's also manifesting out of me in how I treat others. You know, it's really easy to love somebody who's treating you well. But you want to live like this. It's really easy to love somebody unconditionally who is doing you wrong. That's See, see the love of God, you learn how to yield to it. And when you're hurting, you yield to it. And what happens is you start experiencing God's love for you, which causes your love to just explode towards him. And now it's working in you and it manifests out of you. This is what we're talking about. The transformation of our life 
so that we can be led by the Spirit of God. Amen?